Well, good morning. Uh, in my prayer time today with my prayer partners, they asked me, what can we pray with you about? And I said, well, just pray that God will give me clarity. I, I don't know if this message today is a, just a one Sunday message or if it might be a series of messages. I just can't get clarity on that. And so we're going to start it today. And if we don't come back to it, then it was a one-time message. If we do come back to it, it was a series, okay? Fair enough. There's a story in the Bible of a man who came to Jesus with some questions. He came to Jesus with a need. And he went away worse than when he went to Jesus. It's the only story I know of quite like that in the Bible where he actually left worse in worse shape than when he came to Jesus. He's the only man who ever came to Jesus, and when he left, he went away worse. I wish I could tell you his name. I wish I could tell you more about him. He's just mentioned very briefly in Scripture. His name is not given, but his story is told briefly in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. If you want to open God's Word to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, and there's a pew bible there in the rack in front of you if you don't happen to have a bible with you gospel of mark chapter 10 beginning of verse 17 is where we'll start today as jesus started on his way a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him good teacher he asked What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. The teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Notice in verse 17 that Mark doesn't give us this man's name. He just simply refers to him as a man. An ordinary man. uh, An interested man, nonetheless. Uh, We'll see that he was very committed in his uh, beliefs and so forth. But but just a man, just a, a nameless person in Scripture. But in verse 22, we're told that he wasn't just a regular man, but this was a man of great wealth, it says in verse 22. This was a man who could buy anything he wanted to buy. He could have anything he wanted to have. This was a man who who could go wherever he wanted to go, do whatever he wanted to do. He had the resources to do whatever. He was a man of great wealth. But you know what? Money can only take you so far. And so this man wanted more than his money could buy. It says in verse 17, this man of great wealth looked at Jesus. In the second part of verse 17, he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
That's the question a lot of people are asking. What must I do? What must I do to be right with God? What must I do to have my sins forgiven? What must I do in order to go to heaven when I die? That's a question that every religion in the world tries to answer. What must I do? In fact, Ken Blanchard said the difference between religion and Christianity is how it's spelled. He said religion is spelled this way, D-O. Religion is a list of all the things that you're, you need to do, or sometimes a list of things you need to not do in order to have favor with God and hopefully one day go to heaven. One of the problems with a D-O religion, though, is that you never know when you've done enough. You never know when you've hit the mark. You never know when you've met the quota. You, you never know when you have done what you need to do. So Jesus goes along with this man who asks the question, what must I do? Jesus goes along with him and he says in verse 19, all right, here's a list. Verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He didn't give all of them, he gave about six of them. It's interesting that all of them relate to things you do for another person. Or you do uh, against another person. It's in relation to other people, the, the commandments that Jesus quoted here. And the, the gentleman listened to what Jesus had to say, and he responds, not with arrogance, but I believe with great sincerity. In verse 20, Teacher, he declared, All these I have kept since I was a what? Since I was a boy. When a Jewish boy turned 13... That's when he assumed responsibility for keeping the commandments. That's when he became what we would call today the age of accountability. When he turned 13, that's when he became responsible for keeping the Ten Commandments. That's why he said, all of these have I kept since I was a boy. In other words, he was saying to Jesus very sincerely, Lord, I've been doing those things since I turned 13. Since I turned 13, that's what I've tried to to do. I've I've been living the right way as best as I know how, as as best as I can. I've been doing the right things. And I love verse 21 as Jesus looks at him. It says in verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus saw how sincere and earnest this man was and it moved his heart and he looked at him and loved him. Jesus does the same when He looks at you too, by the way. You matter to Jesus. You really do. You might be messed up. You might be angry. uh, You might be confused. You might be hurt. You might be searching. You might be empty. But I want to promise you one thing. When the Lord Jesus Christ looks at you, He looks at you and He loves you. But because Jesus loves us, He also has to tell us the truth. And that's what he did for this man. In verse 21, he told him the truth. After Jesus looked at him and loved him, verse 21, one thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now that always brings up a question Do we have to give everything away in order to be a Christian? Do we have to sell everything, get rid of all of our stuff in order to have eternal life? No. In fact, this is the only place in Scripture where Jesus told anybody to do that. 
And the reason he told this man was because for this man, money represented his barrier to God. Money was his greatest hurdle in order to have that relationship with God. You see, his money was the one thing that was keeping him out of the kingdom of God. His money was more important to him than God was. Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. And he recognized what his greatest problem was. You know his greatest problem? He had been keeping the Ten Commandments, but he missed the first one. You shall have no other gods before me. And so Jesus said, here's what you need to do. Sell everything that you have, give it away, then come follow me. Now, sometimes we, we're kind of down on this guy, and we're kind of, we, we, we kind of think, well, good night, you know, Look, look what he did, how foolish. Folks, what if he said to you, here's what you got to do. You know, all of your cars, all your vehicles, your boat, your, your motorhome, sell it all. Oh, by the way, your house too, your motorcycle, everything that you got, liquidate everything that you have. And then, you can come follow me. I wonder if he said that to you, if you'd be willing to do that. It'd be a big decision, wouldn't it? Thankfully, that's not what he calls us to do. But for this man, that was exactly what he asked him to do. There's a very good reason for that, why he asked him. You see, this man was willing to be committed to God, but not surrendered to God. And there's a difference. There's a difference between committed and being surrendered. Commitment obligates a person emotionally to something or to someone. For example, I am committed to my wife. I am committed to this church. I am committed to the Tennessee Volunteers as a fan. And all the Clemson fans said, yes, amen, praise the Lord for Tennessee. I won't talk about next week. We're going to go on. Or last week, rather. Last week. I'll talk about that some other time. But I have willingly committed myself to my wife. I have willingly, emotionally committed myself to this church for 18 years as your pastor. I have willingly, emotionally committed myself to be a fan of the volunteers. And this man was like that. He willingly, emotionally committed himself, obligated himself to keeping the commandments of God. He was interested in God. He wanted to be a follower of God. He He committed himself to God. In fact, he had been living that way since he was a boy. Committed. Keeping the Ten Commandments as best he knew how. He was willing to be committed. But he was not willing to be surrendered. The Bible says, when Jesus said, sell everything that you have, give it away, then come follow me. It says, verse 22, at this, the man's face fell And he went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, the difference between commitment and surrender is this. Commitment obligates a person emotionally, but surrender yields control to another. I will say that again. It's a key statement. Commitment obligates you emotionally to something or to someone. But surrender yields control to someone. Now, this man was willing to be committed. I've kept those commandments since I was a boy. But when Jesus said, but give God control, 
That's when he walked away sad. Now, I want to help you understand this. Here's what I need you to do. I need your participation. In fact, the first service did really well in this. I want you to do as well as them. I need your participation, and if you don't participate, I'm going to come down in front of you and point to you. Not really, I'm just kidding, but I really, really, with the cherry on top, ask for your participation. Here's what I need you to do. Reach into your pocket or into your purse and find your keys. Get them out, everybody. Up the balcony, I can see you up there. Down here on the lower floor, everybody, get your keys. Get your keys. Find your keys. Now, these keys represent my life. You see, these keys represent the things that I am in control of. Uh, This is the key to my truck. Uh, These are keys to the church. All of these are keys to the church. This is the key to my house. This is a key to what, I don't know what this goes to, but I still keep it on my ring and just in case I need it. You got one of those too, probably. In case I ever find that, like, oh yeah, I got that key. I know, yeah, that's what that is. But these keys represent the things that I am in control of. My house and my, the storage unit and, and the church and my automobile. These, these represent control. Now here's what I want you to do with your keys. I want you, and you may have to get up, you may have to slide across the pew, you may have to walk somewhere. I want you to hand your keys to somebody who is not a family member. Go give your keys to somebody who is not a family member. Get up if you need to, that's all right. All right, all right. Here's what's going to be fun. This is going to be the fun part. At the end of the service, watching everybody try to find their new car. In fact, I need to give my keys to somebody because whatever I get will will be a step up. All right? Now, if you're normal, if you're normal right now, you want your keys back. Right? Don't get it. You, you can't have them back. No, you, don't give them back. But if you're normal, you want your keys back. Because here's what you've done. You've just given your keys to somebody who's not a family member. You've just given somebody, and you may not even know them. You've just handed somebody that you know or know very little about or may not know at all, and you've just given them control to your house to your car, to your storage unit, to your work, to your office, to who knows what. Just because I ask you to. (laughs) Now, giving the keys to somebody and, and just letting them have it is not easy, is it? Because you're giving them control. Now, so that you can listen to the rest of the message, go get your keys. 
Now, don't ever forget this. Commitment is when you are emotionally committed to something. When you are emotionally attached to something. Commitment is, commitment is something that you kind of volunteer for. Surrender. Surrender is when you give control. Surrender is when you give it up. Surrender is when you no longer have the keys in your hand. If you've ever talked to anybody who said, you know what, I've prayed and I've asked Jesus into my heart and I, I, just, don't, I just don't know that it's worked. I just don't, I, I'm not sure that's ever changed. I, I just don't know if it's, you know, and I've prayed over and over. And, I, and sometimes I've heard people say, I pray every night. I ask Jesus into my heart every night, just over and over. And I, but I just don't know if it works. I just don't know if it's, anything's changed. Let me tell you the difference. The difference is this. Maybe the reason some of you have prayed and it didn't work is because you have committed yourself to God, but there's never been a time when you surrendered to Him. You see, here's the deal with commitment. I can always uncommit. Right? I could be committed to my wife, Lisa, but I can always uncommit. I could be committed to you as pastor, but I can always uncommit. I can be a committed fan of the Tennessee Volunteers, but, but I can always uncommit. But surrender. Surrender is when I give the keys away. And I don't intend to get them back. I don't intend to take them back. Because when I truly surrender, all of a sudden they're no longer mine. There was a man who went to see Jesus one day and he said, what must I do in order to be saved? Jesus said, well, this is Shorter's translation. Here's what you need to do. You need to surrender. Go sell everything that you've got. I know you've been committed. You've kept the commandments since you were a boy. But your commitment is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for your surrender. You see, nothing really changes until we surrender. Because so long as we're just committed, we are still in charge. And that's why he walked away. He was still in charge. It was still his money. He was in charge of it. He was going to keep it. Committed to God, it was kind of like this. Committed to God, yes, I've kept the commandments since I was a boy. Committed, absolutely. But there's another part of my life over here, he would say. You see, the other part of my life over here is that I've got a lot of money. I've got a lot of influence. I've got a lot of things. And if you're telling me that I've got to surrender these in order to truly have a relationship with God, he looked at the two, God or my money, God or my money, and he walked away sad. Because he chose his money. He was willing to go up to a line. 
the line of commitment. I'll keep the, commitments, the, the commandments as long as I can. He was willing to go up to that line. He was not willing to cross the line to surrender. And if you want to know how your life can really change, it changes when you surrender to Jesus Christ. It does not change when you are committed to Jesus Christ. Because you can always uncommit. You can always walk away. You can always decide not now, maybe later. Commitment means that you will do your best. Surrender means He's in charge of everything. Commitment keeps you in control. Surrender means he's in control. Do you remember what Ken Blanchard said about the difference between religion and Christianity? I didn't finish that one. He said that religion is spelled how? Spell it for me. D-O. Religion is spelled D-O. He said, but Christianity is spelled this way. D-O-N-E. Because everything that you need in order to have a relationship with God has already been done for you through Jesus Christ. It's already done. You don't have to live a perfect life. You don't have to keep all the Ten Commandments. What Jesus did for you was enough. It was sufficient. But you must surrender to Him in order to know Him. That's why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul was not committed to Jesus Christ, he was surrendered to Jesus Christ. It's not no longer I who live, I, I'm crucified with Christ. I, I, listen, I'm not just committed, I'm surrendered, I'm crucified with Jesus Christ. No longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. See, people are comfortable with religion. They're comfortable so long as they can only go so long as they can go a little ways and stay in control. They're okay with that. But making Jesus Lord of your life is when you say, There is no line here that I will stop at. I will surrender. There is no line that I'm going to stop at. I will give him the keys to my life. Don't miss this. Jesus said to this man, Listen, here's what you need to do. You want something to do? Here's what you need to do. Surrender. He knew that the real God in his life was not Jehovah God. Jesus could look in his heart and see that the real God in his life was his money. And he wanted to be in control of that. And Jesus said, no. No, the first commandment is the one you skipped over. You shall have no other gods before me. So now, here's the deal. Go sell it all, go give it away, then come follow me. Go sell it all, go give it away, then hand me the keys to your life. There's five things you can do with Jesus. Every one of us. There's five responses 
that you can have towards Jesus. First of all, you can just outright reject him. You can decide that he was a liar or a lunatic or maybe that he didn't even exist. You can just outright reject Jesus if you choose so. Also, you can ignore Jesus. You can just push him to the margins of your life, go about your own business, just keep building your wealth and do everything that you want to do. You stay in control. You hold on to the keys. You can just ignore Jesus if you want to and just push him to the margins of your life. You can also postpone Jesus. You can just postpone him and say, you know, I'm going to get to that one day and I'll come back to you one day and just let me do this first and handle this first and straighten this out first. And you can postpone Jesus, or at least try to. Here's the fourth thing you can do. You can agree with Jesus. Just agree with Him. Believe everything that you've been told about Him. Believe everything you've been told about the cross. Believe everything. You can just agree that He is the Son of God. You can agree with Jesus. And the fifth thing is this. You can surrender complete control of your life to Jesus. Four of those five responses end in the same place. Listen to that again. Four of those five responses end in the same place, eternally separated from God. Four of the five. Only one leads to heaven. And that's when you hand Him the keys to your life and you surrender. You see, it's possible to agree with everything the Bible says about Jesus. It's possible to agree that He died on the cross for you. It's possible to agree that He is the Son of God. It's possible to agree that He's coming back. It's possible to agree to everything you've ever been taught in Sunday school about Jesus. It's possible to agree and never, ever, ever know Him. And split hell wide open. Salvation does not come when you agree with Jesus. Salvation does not come even when you're committed to Jesus because you can always uncommit. Salvation comes when you hand Him the keys of your life and surrender. I think Jesus must have had that in mind when He said, if anyone should come after me, he must take up his cross daily and come, follow me. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. I want to talk to you as we close the service. Every head bow, every eye closed. I'm going to ask you not to move around, not to be leaving. We're going to close the service in a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me help you understand that why commitment is so insufficient. You might be very sincere, very genuine in your commitment. But you are obligating yourself to a life you cannot live. You're obligating yourself to a standard you cannot keep. Eventually, you will fail, you will falter, and deep down, you know that, don't you? Deep down, even though you're sincere and genuine, you're trying as best you can to live right and do the right things. Deep down, you know you're obligating yourself to a life you cannot live. The only way to truly be a Christian is to yield control of your life to the one who has promised to live his life through you. 
today I'm going to ask you to surrender. Not to commit, but to surrender. Whatever that means for you, what, whatever, what's your greatest hurdle? What's your greatest barrier? What is it that's holding you back from Jesus? For this man, it was his money that was holding him back. What is it that's holding you back? What is it that's keeping you from really surrendering? Today I'm going to ask you just to hand him the keys. Lord, here's the keys to my life. I don't ever plan to take them back again. I surrender. Be my Lord and my Master and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and cleanse me. Make me clean. Make me a new person. Live in me, Lord Jesus, as I surrender to You. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.